This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi everybody, just before you listen to this episode, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon support programme that we do have that I'd like to encourage you to join if you haven't done so already. If you go to patreon.com forward slash pod, you'll find details of how to support this show and how to support this content You'll get lots of extra bits and pieces in return. So again, head over to patreon.com forward slash pod if you want to help support our content and help us grow and get even better. Thursday the 21st of January 2021 in this evening's FA Cup match preview show we are joined by a prize of football podcast presenter and Brighton fan and football finance he's fucking rain man Kieran Maguire Kieran will be giving us some insight into what to expect from the Seagulls how they've recovered from their own previous ownership issues and the sometimes murky world of football finances I'm John Aspinall and this is the Seaside's podcast match preview show Brighton away with Kieran Maguire Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the stream. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the match preview show with our extra special guest, Mr. Kieran Maguire. Kieran's joined by Tim and Nick as ever. Nick, you want to unmute your mic just to start with? So, uh, Kieran, just to kick off, thanks for thanks for ever so much for joining us. Um, Fat boys, Slim and Des Lynham weren't available, so thanks for coming off the subs bench for the. <laughs> That's very, very kind. That's very kind. To be, to be named with those two is, uh, is is possibly the most flattering thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, we aim to please. We aim to please. I wonder what Des Lyons up to these days. Does he, does he get spotted at the Amex at all? Yeah, yeah. He, he potters around in in the posh seats. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm behind the goal with the oiks, but yeah, yeah. Des, Des is still there, um, and and Norman is uh, is is held in high affection by by all the fans. He. Uh, 
he's 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 still a fantastic DJ. Yeah, when you hear him do a DJ set, is amazing. But uh, yeah, his his heart's in the right place as far as the club's concerned as well. You have big raves then in the hospitality sections there, do you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You just got to look at me. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down with my homeboys uh, every, every, every other Saturday. Kieran, this has been a mad rush. I just want to introduce you to Tim. Um, that's Tim. Tim was a, a former BST chairman and also one of the first ones sued by the Oysters, weren't you, Tim? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm in that gallery of uh, people who, uh, who who have that dubious honour, um, along with uh, Joey Barton and. Um, a few others and uh, quite a few other Blackpool fans uh, unfortunately well, well my hat is doffed in your direction anybody <laughs> anybody that's on the wrong side of the Oysters uh, gets, gets my vote I can assure you Tim <laughs> and welcome Nick as well hi Nick good evening good evening everyone <laughs> right Kieran we're going to kick off um, a bit about yourself to start with so for the uninitiated the people who don't listen to the price of football could you tell us just a bit about yourself um who you are, what you do, and what the price of football is, and how that came about, please. Um, well, I'm, I'm I'm just a teacher. I, I, I teach at the University of Liverpool, and uh, I've ended up teaching football finance. And, and lots of people will say that's not a proper subject. Um, and uh, I'll say you're absolutely right, but people love it. So uh, it, it's it's a very easy subject to teach because. I've, I've worked all my teaching life in in Manchester and Liverpool, which is clearly two two football mad cities. And, and I found if, I, if I'm just doing my regular regular nonsense to say, oh, you know, Marks and Spencers have got something coming out, and let's take a look at Apple's latest results. Stu- students are straight on their phone, you know, they're Instagramming, they're Facebooking, and so on. If, if I'm in Liverpool and I say, hey, guess what? Uh, United owe 258 million quid in in transfer instalments on on players they've signed and not paid for. All the scousers go, Jesus Christ! And and it it just became a Trojan horse to to allow me to to teach regular finance under the guise of of football. So um, it's uh, it it just worked that way, and then. Uh, the, the, the 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 traditional media they they like people from universities they they think that that we've got gravitas and many of my colleagues are incredibly talented well researched individuals in in all aspects of medicine and science and maths and you know all all the proper subjects and then um they they wanted something when when the Glazer deal went through when it took over at United and it just so happened that on that day I'd been teaching at one of the banks who were advising the Glazers so I knew a little bit about the deal and I managed to explain it and not make too much of an idiot of myself so of course the next time a football finance story comes up they say well he wasn't too bad we'll have him back <laughs> um, so I, I then started to sort of get this 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 regular uh, rotor on on sort of TV, radio, and the newspapers, and um, I, be, I became friendly with uh, a, a bloke called Guy Kilty, who who works for Five Live, and he does a show called Wake Up to Money, um, and that when show went out at five fifteen. I was the only idiot in academia that was willing to drive in to BBC Studios in Media City in Salford and and appear live in, in the studio. So I got to know him a bit. And and then he sort of pitched the idea of a podcast to me. 
on football finance and I said well there's two problems um a nobody's interested in it and b we'll run out of stories within three weeks even if we did try it uh but he persuaded me to have a go and uh, I said I think we needed a co-host because otherwise what one person, as you probably know yourselves lads you know, having an interaction with people is really good um, from, from a production point of view so I, I was in the process of going through probably about my sixth midlife crisis at the time and I thought it was a really good idea at my age to to move away from the northwest and move back close to Brighton and the reason for this was because when I used to watch us on a Saturday afternoon um, to get back to Manchester where, I'm, where I've lived most of my life um, I had to really leg it at full time and I couldn't stay behind for a, for a couple of uh, couple of scoops with my mates so I now live close to Brighton and I commute to work in Liverpool because of football. Now, as football fans, you'll you're just nod and say, yeah, we fully understand that. You talk to anybody who doesn't understand football, <laughs> they don't. Um, and and I, I, I somehow managed to persuade my wife this was a good idea as well. Um, so I said, well, we need to find a co-host who, who lives down south. And I, I've always liked Kevin Day because I felt he was fantastic on Match of the Day too. But also, I remember when Brighton had ownership problems, and you know, no, no other clubs ever had them, of course, um, going back to the mid-90s, and uh, Kevin put on a benefit gig for us. Now, he's a Palace he's a Palace yeah. fan, but he's a comedian, but he's also a football romantic. So I'd never forgotten that and said to Guy, let's get this, let's get this Kevin Day in to do the show. And I didn't tell Kevin that I was a Brighton fan because we hate Palace and they hate us um, because I thought the show would die on its arse um, within a few weeks. But somehow we've managed to muddle our way through. And I think we we get around about 40,000 downloads a week these days. Um, Just slightly less than us. (laughs) Just ever slightly less than us. Well, yeah, we, 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 I, I, follow, I follow the tables, and we, you know, I said you know, that this, this, the Blackpool one is the one we're trying to overtake, and one day we'll get there. Um, and for some reason, a lot of people in the football industry itself listen to the show. So we now get phone calls and emails and so on after the show to say thanks for bringing this issue. Can we? Can we? Do we have the right to reply to this and so on? Which we're, which we're amazed by because we're just two old blokes who like taking the mickey out of each other. Um, and, and I am, uh, as Kevin reminds the audience on a regular basis, I am the world's dullest man. <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm a chartered accountant. I'm teetotal. I collect panini cards at the age of almost 60. <laughs> um, and I've got a spreadsheet for every football club in the EFL and the Premier League and Scotland. So, uh, you know, why on earth it's a success, I don't know. But we, it's, it's done, it's it surpassed our expectations. So as I said on the intro, Kieran, um, football finance is effing rain, man. Now that was your Twitter bio for a while. It used to make me laugh when I saw that. Where does that come from? Uh, um, well, no, a, a title bestowed on you by someone else, I'll wager. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, I, I, use, I, I, I do a blog, you know, like most dweebs do. Um, and I used to do uh, summaries of club accounts. And then when, when the Berry 
when the berry problems arose, um, I ended up writing uh, a fairly in-depth article for one of the newspapers, um, which resulted in um, one club owner uh, threatening to sue for upsetting his staff, um, which I felt was a bit rich, uh, given that the way he was running the club wasn't wasn't perfect. But I, I didn't say there was any problems with the club. It just said, you know, th- these are some of the things you ought to look out for if you are concerned. Um, and um, I'd, I'd spotted some unusual behaviour in uh, in the accounts of another club. So uh, I, I just put these stuff out on social media um, and sometimes people pick up on them and yeah, the vast majority, you get, you get no response. And uh, a, a club owner took huge offence at this um, and uh, a journalist phoned me up and he says, he's he's just called you football finances effing rain man because that's all you do. And I said, well, it's all I do. You know, I, I have who is this, Kieran? Can you, can you name I, names? I, I, I took it as a compliment. <laughs> can you name names? Can you spill the beans? Uh, after the show, boys. Oh, okay, show. Right, fair enough. We, do, uh, we don't want to go down that path, do we, Tim? With the defamation well, path. Been twice shy, I think, is <laughs> the, uh, the mantra. <laughs> right, Kieran, so how long have you supported Brighton? Why are you a Brighton fan? Um, as, as you've said, you're from London, are you? Yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was born in London. Um... My old man wasn't interested in football, and uh, he he had a, he had jobs with the airlines, and then he got a job with American Express, and they they set up their European headquarters in Brighton in 1973. So we moved from I was living in Chelmsford, so I used to go and watch Chelmsford City, uh, who were in who were in the Southern League in those days. Uh, I used to go and watch them as a kid, and then moving to Brighton, it was at a time when. We just had uh, Brian Clough as manager with Peter Taylor as manager, Alan Mullery. Uh, they were getting crowds of you know twenty five to thirty thousand in uh, in the old Division Three, i.e. the equivalent of League One. So I used to go and used to go and watch them, um, and, and and that was it. You, you know what it's like once you've got the bug, once you've fallen in love. It's it's not like with women, you you, you can't fall out of love with your football club. Um, so so that was it. But I, I went to I went to university in Manchester uh, mainly to watch football and listen to music because that that really is my life. I've got nothing really outside of that, um, and I still was watching Brighton, and it's just it's just stuck stuck ever since. It, it will do. You, you know what it's like as a Blackpool fan. It, you, you know if, if you if you end up working abroad uh, at some point in life, or if you move wherever you go. Uh, it, it's still the seasiders for you. you know, it's 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 still that it's still that first love. It will still be that last love. You you will have your love of Blackpool Football Club till the day you die, and rightly so. Uh, Kieran, you mentioned uh, in uh, your, your intro the, about yourself and Kevin Day and this rivalry between Palace and uh, Brighton. Uh, John and I were speaking as well. We're waiting for you to join us, and um, I vaguely remember on that Palace show that was on. Um, one of Netflix or whatever that, that there was an explanation behind it, but it, it it seemed a bit convoluted. Can you can you explain it to us? Because it seemed, but it, it doesn't alter. You know, you're not that close, are you? So it it um, it, it seems a bit uh, strange to us. You know, we ate Preston, but they're, they're only like ten miles down the road. So um, uh, I'd be yeah, interested sure. to hear about that. Yeah. Um- 1975-76 FA Cup second round uh, 
Brighton Brighton get drawn against Crystal Palace. Before that, they were just another London club. We, we didn't really have a proper rival as such. First match was uh, was a nil-nil draw. Um, of course, we had replays in those days and, and no such things as penalties. Second match was a 1-1 draw, so it went to a second replay at Stamford Bridge. And I think it was about 40,000 people there. I was 14. Um, and, and so, you know, there was... There was there was a bit of bad blood between the two managers because Alan Mullery and Terry Venables didn't get on because Terry Venables was was the golden boy of, of English football and I think Alan Mullery felt he was not perhaps getting the the uh, the, the, the attention he, he warranted for his achievements. So about 15, 20 minutes before the end of the match, we get a penalty. Um, our captain goes up, sticks the ball in the back of the net. The referee disallows the goal for encroachment by a Palace defender, which which is technically uh, uh, the right thing to do. But of course, you wouldn't, you know, it, it, it was, it's a very petty thing to do. Retook the penalty. The Palace keeper saved it. They went down the other end, scored. They won 1-0. And Mullery did his nut. So at the end of the match, he went storming up to the Palace fans who were behind one of the goals, having an absolute, you know, celebrating. Um, and he took the small change out of his pocket and uh, threw it at the Palace fans and had to be had to be walked away. If you look at the pictures, you'll find some old pictures. Of it. Had to, he was escorted away by the coppers because for inciting the Palace fans. And of course, as fans of Brighton, we felt we had to defend the club after the match by having an enormous punch-up with Palace. And since then, every time we've played them, it's been World War Three, And and it's and it's really crazy because Brighton is quite a... It's quite a genteel, you know, cosmopolitan city. Um, and you know, now twice a year, we turn into foaming-at-the-mouth lunatics <laughs> because we're playing Crystal Palace. And we, we should know better and we should grow up. But That's for, for, for those... You, you can't do it, it's no. football. But at the same time, we get on really well with Palace because we've got a joint charity, which, uh, because one of our fans died in 9-11 and we set up a, a charity with Palace and we've got an annual golf game and an annual match against them uh, and their ex-players turn up and our ex-players turn up. So, yeah, there's there's lots of close relations between the fans, but for twice a year, we... we we uh, we hold it, but, but yeah, I, I hate them. I, I want them to lose every single match. I, I want I want Wilfred Zahar to be to be in you know the in in the Sunday tabloids, found in you know found in bed with a goat in a vat of custard, <laughs> something like that. Uh, you know that that would absolutely make my year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's that that's football. You understand? It's the yeah. same with you and Preston. Who was who was your rivals before that then? Or did you not have any? We we didn't we didn't particularly like Swindon. Mainly because we used because before uh, we went into four divisions, we, we used to be in Division Three South for ages, right. as was Swindon, and we, and we played them more than anybody else. But there's no clubs around you. That's the problem, isn't it? It's no, not like the northwest. No. You're miles away from yeah. the nearest club. And, and and there's lots of talk about you know, you know, South Coast derbies. But we've we've got no interest in Port- Portsmouth hate Southampton yeah, and vice right, versa. Yeah. But, you know, they, that is a really tasty game if if that's the type of thing that you like. Um, Bournemouth Bournemouth are so inoffensive that you can't get angry. Uh, <laughs> Millwall hate Palace. Charlton hate Palace. Uh, Palace 
well, nobody likes Palace, um, but Palace hate us more than anybody else. Yeah, they, even though um, Millwall, Millwall and Charlton hate them. Eastbourne Borough. No, <laughs> Eastbourne, Eastbourne's managed to get about three football clubs. That's that's you know, Eastbourne Town and Eastbourne Borough. It's, it's absolutely uh, it's absolutely bonkers. Ironically, where are those in the FA Cup this year? And we yeah, we knocked them out. So yes, right. I'm with the question. I think you commented it actually, didn't you, Kieran? Because we. We uh, effectively gave, we gave up our expenses for the game, and um, I, last podcast I listened to, um, I think you were kind enough to make reference to it. Well, it's, it's, I don't think it's in the case of being kind. We, the, um, unfortunately, in the show, we, we have to, or we end up discussing a lot of bad news stories because the governance, the ownership ethos uh, in the game, and, and the activities of of, of some of the people. Um, some of the people who are the suits, you know, the, the, the players in the main do things right, um, and the fans tend to do the, the, you know, things right. But there, there's there's lots of stories in in terms of ownership, and I just thought it was given that Blackpool's finances won't won't be great as a result of the pandemic to do something of that nature. What what, what a fantastic show of solidarity with, with with a club that is is genuinely struggling because it, it doesn't get the uh, it doesn't get the solidarity payments or the the, the distribution payments that the clubs in the EF do so so I highlighted it because it, it, it was it's a fantastic thing to do and I think at a time when we're all do- down uh, people being good to other people uh, is, is something to be proud of and I think there are so many things to be proud of that have arisen as a result of this pandemic if, if we take a look at all of the community schemes uh, the highlighting of food poverty for, by the likes of Marcus Rashford but also the work that's been done by by clubs both front office and back office when when people um, when clubs haven't furloughed staff then they've got those staff to phone up fans who are over 70 and I can tell you it genuinely makes a huge difference I know one or two guys that have got those calls from the clubs and they've just said I just it, it uplifted me. It, it really made a difference to my life. So I, I'm I'm proud to be a football fan, um, and and I think we we get an awful lot of bad press because it's convenient to do so. Um, you know the way the way that we are treated as second class citizens in our national game. If I, if I go to a rugby ground, I can get a pint. And, and go and sit down or stand up. Um, not that I drink, but a pint of lemonade. Um, if, uh, if if I try to do the same at a football ground, yeah. I, I'm I'm viewed as as a thug. I'm uh, if there is the, the authorities don't trust me um, and things of this nature. And yeah, you know, we've 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 all been teenagers, but most of us were decent teenagers anyway. Um, and uh, the majority of people who go to football. I've got no inclination to misbehave. It's an emotional game, and, and that's good. Uh, it, it's the most wonderful experience of my life, uh, with the exception of meeting my wife and marrying her. Of oh, course, you had to say that, yeah. I had to say that because she's, she's looking, through, <laughs> yeah, she's looking through the door. Um, but uh, I, I can't understand why why we as fans get such a bad press. You know, there, there is this very prejudiced approach yeah. to to uh, what is ultimately a, a working class sport and uh, a an event 
which brings people in an individual town or city together on a regular basis to to give them memories that they'll cherish for the rest of life. You know, it, I've, I've always said that if I had to list the top 10 moments of my life, six of them would involve Brighton and Nove Albion. And that's not, you know, the, wife, the wife squeezes in, you know, but yeah. I'm not saying where she is in the 10. Best not. Best not, yeah. Don't want, don't want domestic violence cases in, in, in Sussex being reported overnight, do we? Yeah, my sister always said, Kieran, um, at the at the playoff final when we got to the Premier League in 2010, she's married She's married in two kids, and she said to me, obviously her husband wasn't there, she said, this is the best moment of my life, and yes, that includes getting married and having kids. So I was like, that's my sister. Yeah, because it, it was a moment, wasn't it? Oh, you know, that, that was, when that, that was final the, yeah, whistle went, yeah. yeah, whereas the wedding was, was a day of sheer joy and exhilaration. But this, this was a one, one millisecond a lifetime, that you will never forget. Yes. So one, one of the Blackpool reference I have picked up on on, on the uh, price of football was the, the story about you owning a nightclub uh, called Frenchies in Blackpool. It pops up quite a bit on the, on the pod. Um, <laughs> Now forming, I, I was looking it up because I'm slightly too young to remember it. Tim might be old enough, but it was the Tash, wasn't it? So could you could you tell the listeners what this story was all about and how it all you came out to own a nightclub in Blackpool? Well, no, I wasn't wasn't the owner. Um, I, I used to work for a firm of accountants overseeing and, it. Then, um, yeah, it had gone in. It had gone into administration. Right. So so we were continuing to um, we were continuing to run it. To, you know, to try to try to bring some money in and because i don't drink uh the we it, I, was, I was working for a firm based in manchester and therefore they used to send me out to run all of the pubs and clubs in the northwest so i'd go from crew and shrewsbury uh, sort of south up to up to cumbria uh in you know further north of manchester and and my job was thursday friday saturday night i'd, I'd pick one of the the, the the pubs and clubs, um, and, and go there and uh, and you know effectively make sure that everything that was taking place did take place because pubs and clubs are cash based industries and uh, they are they, they are industries which which are quite difficult to run if you're not familiar with them. So I'm I, I you know, I've, I've done quite a few over the years. So I ended up at this place called Frenchies, and uh, you know if Tim if you are familiar with it, yeah, um. It's, it's where the Tash used to be, Tim. Well, if it's the Tash, I remember the where the Tash was. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and there was a big, there was something called a Tash next next to it. So, so yeah, the, that does. Your father was right. Tash, I think it was originally, and then it got there was truncated. Yeah, yeah there was the two. Tash. There was two nightclubs on that side. I think. Yeah, I went to when it was the Tash. It was a rock club turned into a rock club, Kieran. Oh, it was. Yeah, what well, it was, it's gone now. It's been demolished. Oh, it's been knocked down, hasn't it? I think we need a, we need a blue plaque there. Um, <laughs> so uh, I ended up, you know, staff wouldn't turn up, so I'd be, you know, behind the bar. Uh, there'd be issues with the bouncers, so I ended up being a bouncer. You know, so you just you just have to get on with it. Um, there were there were people dealing uh, substances in the pub and I, I used to negotiate with them as to what I, what I was prepared to and I just simply say to them look if you do too much uh, the coppers will come in and, and it doesn't bother me if this place gets closed down because I'll just move I'll just move on to another pub or club yeah I've got I've got I'm, I'm running four or five at present um, so so you, you, you learn good management skills there 
but um i decided to get out I, I, can i can i tell this story it's a bit rude but it's it's this uh, a, a, a flag our video is not for children so plays away okay um <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll keep it I'll, I'll keep sort of the the polite version um we were losing we were losing booze and we were losing money which is quite common in the pubs and clubs and i was getting a bit a bit hacked off um at this so i decided to one of the day lock up and and then just hang around inside um and and i used to have a i used to have a baseball bat in my office just in case things turned a bit lively um and i i heard a noise coming from the uh from the ladies toilets and i saw a light on i said well i'm sure all the lights should be off by now um and uh I thought, right, yeah, th- th- these are the people that are stealing, so I'm, I'm going to take them on. So, yeah, you know, I was in, you know, I was in my mid twenties there. I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big lad. Um, so I went steaming in to through the ladies' toilets, screaming my head off because I was at, cause at the same time I was petrified, waving uh, a baseball bat, and I was then confronted with the sight of one of the bouncers and a lady who had been at the club that night um she was leaning over the sink he was standing behind her with his trousers down um and i went steaming in screaming and she screamed and he screamed and i screamed and and i think it's the politest way i can describe it is that she then evacuated all over his shoes um and he goes Oh bloody hell! What I could do now? I've got to go home to the wife about this. And I thought, I, I, I've I've spent three hard years qualifying as a chartered accountant, <laughs> and is my life like going to be this for the rest of it? I, I need to get out. So it was so, so Frenchies actually crystallised in my mind that perhaps the world of accounting wasn't for me. Um, and, and and the site, you know, some sites that you you want to get out uh, f- uh, f- very very quickly, but that that still haunts me. I can imagine this. Is, I can imagine that as a site you'll never forget, isn't it? Yes, etched on the memory. Um, you, Did you, you say you were a bouncer. Well, I, I ended up, you know, they, they, we'd have two or three bouncers on. If one didn't turn up, I'd end up sort of having to go on the door myself. So Any, you, know, uh, you, you, you just do, you just do whatever you have to do. Did you write off yeah. your dicky bow as an expense? <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yeah. wholly, exclusively, and necessarily for the job. Yes, it was all all, all done in, in my tax returns. The, I am that dull. And the baseball bat. <laughs> yes. You, you uh, Kieran, you mentioned uh, just uh, briefly about uh, Brighton's previous troubles. Um, uh, uh, I did a little bit of research on this, but I, I, I remember some of the uh, demonstrations and protests that. Brighton were um, became quite um, famous is probably the wrong word, but well, no, well known for at the time. Um, uh, marches and um, and the fans united game where fans from other clubs came to came to the Goldstone. Do, were you involved in any of any of that protest movement, or or was were, with you living in the northwest? Did that sort of pass you by a bit? No, it, it, it didn't pass me by. The reason why was, was um, Brighton was sold for £56.25 pence to um, a, a guy called Bill Archer, who lived in Mellor in, in Lancashire. So it wasn't actually that far away. Um, so I, I remember when 
we were I think we were playing Preston or somebody like that or Blackburn and uh, before the match we marched round to Bill Archer's house and um, he'd gone away for the weekend and he told the police we were turning up so the police said well boys what are you doing here we said we come to protest he says well you're wasting your time so we sort of yeah what do you do under those circumstances so one one of the lads got out uh, he, he got out uh, a ukulele and started playing a few songs and we all politely clap because that's the way that Brighton fans behave and, and then we buggered off down the pub um, so yeah I, I, I'd done we had quite innovative ways of trying to bring the plight of the club to the attention of, of the media because you know it, it is quite a media town Brighton um, if if initially for one match when, when we were leaving the Goldstone um, or, year, we were, or a year before we were supposed to leave the Goldstone we invaded the pitch and we, we pulled down the uh, crossbar and got the match abandoned and that got us lots of negative publicity and I was, I was at that match um, so we decided to try to do a few media savvy things so so we set up a, a, a political party called the Seagull Party um, and, and that won a, a local election uh, you know went, went for a council election so that gave us some notice and some credibility um, we we went to Bill Ar- we went to uh, John Prescott's house because he was Secretary of State and, and we were playing Hull on the 14th of February so we delivered him a six foot high uh, Valentine's card signed by thousands of Brighton fans just it was stunts and it was things of this nature we had a single in the charts um, I I might have uh, found out the 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 name and well I didn't know the name but the address and phone number of of our former owner and somebody might have uh, put them into a transvestite contact magazine. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and think, it, it's, it was just it's just the type of stuff that you have to do under the circumstances and and yes it gets wrong and, and I you know, I, I it, it was it was nothing personal but this this person was stealing something to me which was precious and and i know what what you've gone through as blackpool fans and you know, you know those of you that have had to make the the ultimate sacrifice of the not a penny more campaign and i got to know some of the guys from the tangerine knights you know through that because we, you know, we, we played at blackpool and we we put the money in the buckets and uh, and so on and and, and it, it must have been heartbreaking to have to go through that um, in order to try to to break the stranglehold. That um, can, can I say his proper name? I would love you to. Okay, convicted rapist Owen Wiston <laughs> um, did to your club, um, and, and uh, you know I've I've I felt you know we, we felt a huge kinship yeah. Yeah. with uh, Blackpool fans because there were individual weeks when, when we genuinely felt that the club would no longer be in existence. There were winding up orders. You've been through, you know, sort of legal challenges, uh, having to play at Gillingham for two years, uh, ha- having to go to, to Hereford in, in 1997, where we knew that if we lost the match, the club was gone God. because we didn't have a place to play in the following season. Uh, we, there was a tentative agreement with, uh, with, uh, with Gillingham to play there. But if we were in the, if we were out of the football league, that they just, yeah, we wouldn't have got any crowds at all as it was. We were, we were struggling on crowds of just over a thousand. Hmm. I know because when I was researching it, they, it was amazing how many 
um, similarities there were between the, the the protests you were doing and, and some of the things that we'd done. And um, you know, for instance, you know, we we put somebody up at the general election as well, and local elections. You know, we've done the march to Clafton Hall where Owen lived. Um, and various other things, the boycott. Obviously, ours unfortunately yeah. had gone for a very, very long time. Um, and yeah, and it's. Um, did, did do you think any of that perhaps um, has, has sort of influenced your approach to football finances? Um, the sort of uh, obviously you've mentioned the the sort of you, you seem to have a litany of poor owners that you you focus on in these podcasts. But do you think your? I mean, probably Brighton were one of the perhaps one of the first ones really to be subject to that type of um, poor ownership and do you think that sort of um, fo- you know uh, uh, awaken the interest in the type of things that you seem to focus on in the podcast um, I, I don't think it's it's consciously I mean both Kevin and I have this very romantic notion of a football club being the modern day cathedral of a town or city it's it's where we come to where we come to gather it's where we come to socialize and therefore a a football ground and a football club is is it should be a protected organization so um the sto- the stories we, we just yeah, i either get sent them now by fans or we i i, I scour the newspapers i i, I have a I get 150 emails a day on football finance topics oh. through through scraping the internet, um, and a lot of them are for sadder stories. It is, you know, as soon as you see the word property developer and football club, um, alarm bells start to ring, and then you you get in touch with fan bases uh, and things of that nature. So we we would we've said both kevin and i that in an ideal world uh, i mean the show which started off as one show 20 minutes a week and was supposed to last three weeks it was it was sort of a protest about berry and uh, mm. that was the original intention and we said well we'll, we'll keep going if, if there's stories we're now doing two stories which we now do two shows a week for an hour and i'll be honest we, we could fill another hour of material um, and do a third one if if, if our wives would let us, but they, they, they are the producers ultimately. Those are the editors. Um, so uh, we, we want there to be more good news stories. But you know, there's. I, I've been involved with something to do with with Berry today, and, and it's a really tragic story that not only have has Berry as a town lost its football club and, and you know, I'm sure you've been there as away fans I, I certainly have I remember buying a seat when when they were in danger of going into administration in about 2003 um, there's there's so there's so many sad things you know the, the, the club has lost its identity under its present owner but the worst thing is the one thing which I've always loved about football is it does bring it together uh, bringing people together is that the Berry fan base has been split in two and and there's this horrendous infighting between the people who want to return to Gig Lane under any circumstances and they've then the the other group of fans who've said it's time to move on they've set up a, a Phoenix club and the, the two sets of individuals are clearly not getting on very well um so so you know things like that are sad what's happened at sunderland ongoing issues at newcastle um the the wigan story which is horrendous Mm. uh you know bolton uh bolton was was you know do you you guys is is there dislike from bolton do you go does your dislike go that far 
Uh, yeah, unfor- unfortunately, there is um, there is history with Bolton because the first ever fan to be murdered in the football ground was um, a Blackpool fan murdered by a Bolton fan. Good grief! Um, and so, um, yeah, Some, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of bad blood there, to say the least. Yeah, right. I mean, I, 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 I sort of I was monitoring the Bolton story, um, and all reference Barry having uh, I was aware of this uh, Phoenix club being set up when we had our boycott because we had fans who, who wanted to carry on going in the ground whatever the circumstances and then those who felt that the only way to deal with it most of, including all of us um, was to boycott and starve them of money and um, and and, it, and it's fair to say that there was a lot of division at the time um, I think we've all been quite pleasantly surprised about how how it, how it has healed because there was concerns that it might not, um, but it, you know I think it has. But yeah, it, it's a tragic situation when the fan base gets split in the way that it did with us, and it seems it is now with Berry. And you know it'll, it'll happen. I think it happened with Coventry fans as well, didn't it? When they um, they had to go to Northampton, I remember not Coventry the the chair of the Coventry Trust basically warning us that this this will happen and um and it did with us and and I think it will again in that type of scenario because people get very polarized I think as regards the views it's a, it's obviously a, a, an issue close to the heart whichever side of the argument you're on that's right I mean, it's for for some people that they go to football to forget politics to to forget yeah. uh, everything else which is dragging their life down and that's all they want to do and it's a form of escape and and I fully sympathise with those people. I utterly understand that they don't want to get involved in protests and they don't want to get, you know, to be signing petitions. Some Give me football, see some of my mates, have a few jars before or after, you know. Time for a quick break in proceedings to say, if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support programme. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades, and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod to find out more and hopefully sign up. And and that's that's my big day out. And you know, I'm I'm sure those fans, just like we all are, you know, after after Saturday at five o'clock, doesn't matter. How, you know, and and you walk out of the ground saying, "I'm never going to see, I'm never going to watch that lot again." By the time you get home, you say, "Oh, we're playing such and such on a Tuesday," and you, and you, and your mind's changed. Um, and th- those fans that that have tried to organise against the owners, again, huge admiration because they they have ended up. Yeah, they've been sued. They've been belittled. They can be excluded from the club. Um, we had uh, one of our fans in uh, in, in our protests in, in 1997. He um, he phoned up the the club chief executive and he shouted some. I think he threatened to kill him. Yeah, he, now, now that's wrong. He shouldn't do it. Okay, or you know, he just you know, always said, oh, "I effing hate you" and this, that, and that. Um, and, and it went no further than that, but because our club chief executive also sat on the the local board of the police, this fan ended up a somebody coming around and knocking on the door. And by all, by all means, you know the correct thing would be to say, "Don't you do that again? 
don't be an idiot. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the club. But he ended up doing three months inside for what was a relatively minor offence for somebody that didn't have a criminal record. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, people have made huge sacrifices um, on a personal level. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And you know, for every Blackpool fan who was in the Not A Penny More campaign, I, I, I salute them I, because it, it, it is heartbreaking at the time. For those fans that went inside, you know, they're, they're not scabs. They're just people who've got a different viewpoint. And I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to hear that there has been a healing my concern at Berry is because there is the potential now for two clubs, but it, it will continue to be nasty. Certainly from the comments I was reading today on social media, um, it, it's, it's not good. Um, and, and the club itself has not been well, well managed under um, the uh, Steve Dale, who is uh, a, a man who does not have football's best interests at heart. I think they've had two on the trot, haven't they, Barry, as well? So they're, they're extremely unlucky. Yeah, I'm, the, the previous owner, um, he he wasn't a great businessman and he got into business trouble and he could no longer afford to subsidise the club. So he'd put a lot of money into the club. The one thing that Steve Dale hasn't done is put money into sort of the day-to-day operations of the club. He, he stopped paying the bills literally as soon as he arrived. You know, the direct debits and the standing orders stopped and then wages became intermittent. Um, his predecessor, Stuart Day, uh, was reliant upon his personal business to subsidise the club. And, and that always comes at a risk. You know, if you look to see what's happened at Notts County under Alan Hardy, um, you know, when Alan's business started to suffer, Notts County suffered on the back of that because if, if you are making the, if you're using the profits from your own business to subsidise the football club, when things go wrong for you, things go wrong for the club as well. Kieran, you've mentioned a number of clubs there that have had ownership issues and, and some of them still have that ongoing um, where would you say the Oysters rank in the league table of poor ownership wrongans I, um, I believe you refer yeah, to them ro- wrongans ro- don't ro- you on the pod is the phrase I yeah we we, we we have been threatening to do a top 10 of wrongans but the producer is now terrified um, of, uh, of of somebody listening in and not liking it, and, and I'm going. Well, yeah. hold on. This is an opinion piece. You know, it's a bit like me saying, you know, yeah, how, how do I how do I rank the Spice Girls? It's no more than that. <laughs> um, but uh, says so we have been threatening to do that on the show, but we, we'll, we'll we'll get around that. Uh, the 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 Oysters are reprehensible in in my opinion. Um, 
initially, uh, you know, uh, convicted rapist Owen Oyston, uh, just in case people uh, aren't, aren't, don't re- don't remember his his uh, his background. Um, he he likes the glamour uh, as as many people do, um, and uh, clearly Blackpool were very successful in, in being promoted. And, and I've got Blackpool's accounts going back. Um, so initially, it seemed to be okay, but clearly the the success of reaching the Premier League and then the utilisation of the the financial benefits of being in the Premier League for for personal gain, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, th- 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 there's nothing illegal in in giving yourself an eleven eleven million pound uh, dividend or, or or management fee. But it, clearly, it's it's not in the best interests of the football club that wants to return. But it, if I recall correctly, Blackpool got into the playoffs the following season. Right, was yeah. was that right? Yeah, they got to the yeah. playoff final as well. Yep. Yeah. So you know, had the club suffered, um, and, and then of course things deteriorated, and and his fallout with uh, is, is it Bellacon? Yep. Yeah, I can never say. Yeah. yeah, his fallout with Bellacon revealed that um, the the running of the club was was in the best interests of uh people other than blackpool football club fans and and the club as a as a, as a living breathing entity and, that, and that's how i see a football club it's it's not a company it is it is this this incredible organism which is so which is representative of of the town and the city and the values and the people therein um and the it, it was it was not it was it was treated very poorly um and and all owners will fall out with fans you know at some point you know i i, I work in the city of liverpool i teach in the university of liverpool there are liverpool fans who are who are grumbling at their owners at present <laughs> you know, liverpool have just won the champions league and they were sensational in winning the premier league but because they didn't spend a hundred million pounds on transfers last summer all of a sudden they've turned into pantomime villains uh, so so you're always going to fall out and I, th- I think you have to um I, th- I think you have to accept that as part of the job and the best way to deal with that is is to to be open and engage and be transparent and, and those were the characteristics that we were not seeing um from from the people in charge and clearly there was an ongoing uh dispute between Bellacon and the oystons which which has now been resolved for the benefit of 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 the fans you know i think you are probably the big biggest winners to a certain extent of, of that fallout because you now have a club that you can call your own and that you can feel is is part of you once again it's quite interesting because we, we obviously spent 16 days in london in the high court case where where everything that went on got completely unraveled and is is documented for history and um you had all these blackpool fans who who almost became like pseudo lawyers um, who um, who also knew all about Section Four Five Nine petitions and everything about um, uh, you know dividends and 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 these these loans and oh it was it was an incredible in some respects an incredible experience and um, and not one that we I think we'd want to go through again but um, it's most certainly um, an experience most of us will never forget so. Um, uh, and, and you know, when people like yourself do highlight things, it, it always we, we we had the same thing as you did in trying to keep um, keep our um, our issue topical because the problem is, particularly when you drop down the leagues, you can't keep doing the same thing, and you have to keep trying to reinvent yourself and come up with something that that's topical and new. and And the Tangerine Knights, who you've mentioned, uh, were very very good at that at, at coming up with stunts that that, that brought us in 
I've just seen just before um, the receiver came in, we had um, uh, he wasn't actually one of the Tangerine Knights, but we had the guy who, who climbed on top of the Arsenal bus and delayed the Arsenal team getting to the stadium. But it was all over Sky Sports, him sat on the top of this bus in Preston. And, um, you know, it doesn't just happen. It was researched where they were going to be. They stayed out of Blackpool to avoid stuff like that. And um, uh, we did some incredible stuff. There's a good. I keep saying there's a good book to be written on what happened to Blackpool one day. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I think it deserves to be written as well because we have short memories as football fans, mm-hmm. and, and to have something that of that nature, which which without sounding too romantic and period, that can be handed down to say you know, this this is this is our club. This is. Blackpool Football Club and this is what people did through their love of the club to allow you to go and watch it today I think is essential because you know we've, we've you know a, a proportion of the Brighton fan base who who weren't going to Gillingham we weren't in being involved in, in in our campaign and fully understand either they weren't born then or you know I'll go and watch Chelsea I'll go and watch you know for, for me I, I couldn't do it yeah. you know for me it's 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 like losing a limb, but I can I can see the the viewpoint of other people because I'm not a better fan because I've been to 117 grounds grounds watching Brighton. I'm just I'm just a dweeb, you know. I'm, I'm and I know where I am in 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 sort of the fan organisation, and and there are people that go to twice as many games as I do. Um, we're all different. And we're all prepared to give a different level of sacrifice. But I, I think something that documents the level of sacrifice and all of the organisation and all of the love that went into, because that's why people did. They, they, they did those things because they love Blackpool Football Club. I think that'll be a fantastic effort. I mean, I've got, I've got some books here from uh, a Berry fan who's sort of done sort of something, something similar over sort of the history of Berry in, in, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And it, it's not going to sell thousands of copies, but I, I, you know, if, if I was a fan, I'd buy one because I'd, I'd be reading, I'd be reading through chapter. Oh yeah. I was, I was at that match. I remember that. And, and, and those, those unique memories that football can give you. And it's not the football itself a lot of the time. You'll remember the match because I, I, I remember going to Plymouth away and one of our fans got – it was it was an April match. Um, we'd, we'd arrived in Plymouth early, been down the pub. I remember one of the lads was, was pretty blottoed. And we got to the ground and he fell asleep on the terraces and the police kicked him out. So we went back to the train station. Again, he was out, he was completely bladdered, got on the train, fell asleep and woke up at Land's End instead of going back to Brighton. Yeah, and, and that story becomes legend. And it's it's keeps me at my age as if I'm a teenager again. And every time I go to a football match, it's the it's that one thing that can make you feel young again. <laughs> because you've got you see such and such and do you remember when he did this and or if you're playing that team do you remember oh yeah 87 yeah. when we went to there and they stuffed us 5-0 but they gave us free pies at the end of the game and we thought it was wonderful <laughs> and things of this nature which I think is so unique yeah. to football um, should be cherished and, and you know yeah, some, if somebody goes and writes it up I, I would, I'd say hats off to the person well actually one of the things we're hoping to do actually um uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of fans bought um, an old um, working men's club opposite the ground and one of the rooms we're going to call it's going to be called the war room and um, it's going to be amongst other things is going to document the struggle uh, in, a, in a narrative um, with murals and pictures and 
memorabilia and um it's something that I think like you say it's something where you need to be able to look back in 10 years time 20 years time and not forget what we've been through and what it all means to everybody mm. terrific yeah and and it's it, it's good it's good to have memories and it's good to be able to pass on those memories as well so Kieran you're obviously Brighton you've had a few grounds to go back to um the with Dean Stadium I used to live in London and that was a that must have been a depressing place to go to the with Dean Stadium um now you're at the Amex obviously I remember the big farmer campaigns when I was going to those grounds uh, to the with Dean so obviously you've gone from the with Dean to the Amex I mean it's very nice stadium it, it I believe it's in the middle of nowhere though is it a bit too sanitized or what's what's your opinion of it compared to the previous grounds you've had and the Goldstone well, included well we, we, we've had four home grounds during my time supporting the club we started off at the Goldstone uh, that was central that was in Hove uh, that was actually quite close where I went to school so yeah, we'd go and watch the players train or the players would sometimes go and train on our school field you know in, in the 70s that was that was the way that football was so uh, the, the Goldstone was a dump in many respects, but it was, it was your dump. dump. Yeah, it's our dump. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it it was it was a very emotional farewell. Yeah. Then two years at Gillingham, which were awful. I mean, the football was awful, and the travel was. I think I only went once because my kids had just been born. I only went once in two years because you know going from Manchester to Gillingham. Yeah, Gillingham's a horrible place to go to. 365 days a year um, but yeah when, when you've got a young family it's, it's just not really uh, th- then we moved to back into Brighton itself at, at, at with Dean and uh, miles away from the away act- miles away from the action it's awful yeah. view awful oh terrible I mean the, because it was an athletic track right, and then yeah. Yeah. there was I, th- I think they had the hammer net so you had the athletic <laughs> track right. and then the hammer net and then the away stand the away yeah. stand actually had a different postcode to the rest <laughs> of the ground it was that far away we used to give people opera glasses when they arrived didn't know we got so, hammered every time we played you there as well and it always seemed to well, rain <laughs> yes yeah 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 and, and, if, and if you did rain there, w- there was nowhere to hide because no. it was an all-seater <laughs> Uh, it is, it's even uncovered even everywhere fans. even uncovered yeah. everywhere wasn't it yeah memory yeah. terrible um, and, and we we've, we are ridiculously fortunate that um, we had a fan who happened to be coming through as a very successful businessman in Tony Bloom and he's put 400 million pounds into the club Jeez. and has has built Falmer and has built the, the amazing training facilities as well yeah you know, they are state of the art even by premier league standards so um he's been ridiculously generous we played blackpool in our second ever game at uh, at, at Falmer at, at the Amex stadium Drew two two, um, and I think Kevin, Kevin Phillips. Phillips. Scored yes, goals. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that's not from research. That's from because yeah, he's like, um, I remember that the, the first time I went there, I, I cried. Yeah, you know, I, I was just overcome. Um, I, I think I think it's a fantastic ground in the sense that the seats are big. So yeah, when when, when you go to Old Trafford. You like that, yeah. You like a chipmunk sort of or a hamster curled up because there's so little room. So you know the seats are padded. We always try to put on local ales for yeah. those fans 
um, coming from elsewhere. We try to make people as welcome as possible. Is it true they we, change we the, the colours in the? Is it true they change the lighting in the away end to match the team? Um, ambient yeah. lighting, John. It's called ambient, ambient oh, lighting. Okay. <laughs> yes, good. I've never been. You see, so. um, yeah, it, it's but but the the philosophy of the club owner um, is treat people like adults and, and they'll behave like adults and give give them a give them an experience and, and the next time they're playing away uh, at our place they'll they'll come back again so um you know it, it is a popular venue uh, for away fans in, in, a, in a similar way to blackpool in, in many regards you know blackpool weekend a, isn't it it's oh, yeah. a weekend city yeah, yeah. Uh, even though frenchies is no longer there um <laughs> but uh I, I I think it's it, 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 every time I get out of the train and I walk up the slope to the ground, I still go. I can't believe oh, yeah. this is part of my life yeah. because it has been created by the ridiculous benevolence of, of one man, but also from the love and devotion and commitment of all of those fans, some of whom are no longer with us. You know, we, we do have sort of a, a remembrance area. Um, for, for those people that never got to see us play who you know between the goldstone and uh, and the mx because it, it took it took 14 years jesus christ it's, it's almost like your protest years isn't it it's kind of lost years we're we're like we've lost four and a half years and it was great for us because we're finally getting back we're getting back in the ground and now there's covid taken off so it's it's yeah. quite hard to take for us at the moment so we we're just desperate to get back in um, right, I suppose we better go and talk about the game, Kieran. That's why. That's we could talk I all night. <laughs> I was chatting to Tim off air, and Tim was saying, "What should we should we talk about like more football financey stuff?" And I said, "Maybe, well, maybe that's for another time because we've we've got plenty to get through, and we have. So we'll we'll, we'll go on about the game now. So yeah, sure. tell us about Brighton's season so far. Yeah, your players to." To, to look out for will you be fielding a full strength team now I was having a quick look at your squad the only names I recognised was Danny Welbeck and Adam Lallana and the, and the keeper so how do you think you're going to line up for this game and are they taking the cup seriously um, yeah, yeah I mean the, the keeper's now been dropped the keeper keeper's got dropped eight games ago he's the Australian keeper Matt, Matty Ryan um, I, I think we will put out a fairly strong team because when we played at Newport uh, two weeks ago uh, we, we were expecting eight or nine changes and I think he made four or five so we've got um, we've got uh, Lewis Dunk at centre half who's our captain he has played for England won't play for England again you know, because <laughs> But but he's, he's got he's got an England cap which which is more than I have and and, and he's, he's a fantastic he's fantastic club player um very underrated as well uh we, we brighton are a strange team is that in my opinion we've got a pretty strong 22 but trying to work out our best 11 is actually quite difficult so the the, the, the side is quite interchangeable um you know the the the, the squad has actually cost 200 million quid although half the time you watch them you're wondering 
there's a couple of zeros too many uh, in that. Um, so they, they, they're mainly players who, who we've recruited either from overseas uh, or from the championship. There's not many players from, from the Premier League, which is why you probably only recognise, say, Adam Lalana mm. uh, or the injured Adam Lalana, as he's more commonly known, <laughs> um, along with the injured Danny Welbeck. Um, so neither will be playing this weekend, in my opinion. They've, they've missed the last few games. Um, Adam Lalana, when he is fit, is 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 fantastic. You can see why he was so popular at Liverpool. He's just one of those players that's got an extra extra second on the ball and make it makes things so different. Um, we will play a possession based game. So uh, you know the goalkeeper gets it, he'll be passing to the fullback, who'll pass to the centre back, who will set pass it back to the goalkeeper. It, it is all sort of that that type of football. And uh, we we are very good at that uh, for two thirds of the pitch, but in the final third we, we've we've struggled. Yeah, we've only won three games this season. We've not won at the Amex in the league. In fact, we, we've won once in 2020 at home. Wow. So, so don't you're not at a disadvantage coming to the Amex. Um, and you know the the analogy. That, that I give in, in terms of the way that we play football, it's it's a bit like going to a nightclub, uh, probably a classier one than Frenchies, and, and it, it pains me to say that, throwing all your best moves on the dance floor, <laughs> using all your best lines, being very successful, going home with somebody, taking them upstairs, and then... <laughs> nothing's happening (laughs) (laughs) and you're going well that's never happened before but you actually know that was exactly what happened last week and the week prior to that and the week prior to that it's been a year and nothing's happened so uh, we're a funny side we we do play um, attractive possession based football um, but three three victories this season we're presently fifth from bottom in the Premier League uh, you know it's a potential, it, it's a a potential banana skin for you then Kieran yeah yeah well we, we only just beat uh, Newport uh, on pens we, we as scored, well wasn't it was it, it on went pen- to penalties yeah, yeah. We, we scored we scored in the 90th minute and, and then uh, in the 96th minute uh, they had a cross straight at our goalkeeper who for reasons best left to himself he just put his arms out like that uh, surprising our centre half who who knocked the ball into the net with his knee so so uh, we uh, we went to penalties uh, Black, uh, Newport missed their first penalty uh, we then proceeded to miss three um, and our goalkeeper then pulled an absolute blinder off um, and we eventually got through. Uh, he, he goalkeeper made four saves. It wasn't four misses. It was four wow. really good saves. Um, but uh, that that what's that's what's seen us through. So um, the, the pitch will probably be in very good condition. Um, I, I can recall going to see uh, us play at Blackpool a few years ago, where for every free kick. <laughs> the ball was rolling because there was no grass and it was Jamie O'Hara scored the winner yes I think. remember that yeah, yeah I, I, I remember that I remember the um, so you know if, I, I don't know what the state of the pitch is like these days but ours is is, is a pretty good pitch uh, it'll be quite lush um, 
if, if you do play the, you know, I, I, I apologize. I don't know the style of football you're playing. If you like playing it on the deck, it will be a delight for your guys. Yeah, I'm not quite sure we're there yet on the playing on the deck. We 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 uh, we sort of uh, we're in a period of transition, so I th- we want to play four three three, but perhaps haven't quite got the personnel to do it yet. So we end up swapping back to four four two quite a bit. So um, it's a Mike uh, Bassett four four two, Kevin. Yeah, right. Well, we 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 play three at the back. Uh, we play three centre halves. We got two. Uh, we, we've got one. Uh, wing back, a guy called Tarek Lamptey, who we signed from Chelsea. There you go. Who, Good question there from Rob. Tarek uh, Lamptey looks yes, a real prospect. He, he, he's is he still, still injured, injured, Rob? Um, which is it, a shame because because he he's not going to be at Brighton in twelve months. In my, I suspect he we, we got him from Chelsea from one and a, for one and a half million quid last January, and if if he goes this summer, he'll be going for you know forty to forty five. Uh, he, he looks an incredible prospect, ridiculously quick. Uh, so, so we got two two wing backs. Um, the the other wing back will often be Dan Byrne, who who used to play for Wigan. Uh, Tarek Lamptey is five foot four, and Dan Byrne is six foot seven. So it's it's a really weird combination. So so when the goalkeeper does go long, you can normally guess in advance as to which which side he's going to be kicking at. Um, and who who we, we, I've got I. Even for a league match, I, I couldn't tell you who, who the manager's going to play because he does change the squad around a lot. I mean, the, the back, the, the defence is always settled, but the the, the the attack, it could be Lamptey, who's a French striker from Wisconsin from Brentford, um, Danny Welbeck when he's fit. Uh, sometimes we play with a false number nine, but the trouble is our false number nine is is a false football player normally um, and, and doesn't do very much. Um, yeah, and as Lewis has said, uh, I think Lamptey has been clocked as being the fastest player in in the Premier League this mm. season. He is he is ridiculously speedy. The trouble is, he's only twenty years old, which means that his his hamstrings, when you're motoring at twenty two point eight miles an hour, are, are a bit fragile. So he he's missed the last seven games due to uh, due to pinging his hamstring, and that's just simply it was Speedy Gonzalez. Ironically, we we are, are fa- we've equally got a very fast player who plays right wing, and he's out with, uh, I think, a hamstring injury at the moment, and yep. uh, for the same period, yeah. so it's obviously an occupational hazard with your um, whoever's doing the road run a bit. <laughs> yes, um, Kieran, being a numbers man, got quite an interesting uh, bunch of stats here. Um, first time we've ever ever played Brighton in a cup competition, and we've oh, played. And we've also played you 30 times, right? Listen to this. 10 Blackpool wins, 10 Brighton wins, and 10 draws. Wow. I know, isn't that funny? Yeah, that is... Uh, <laughs> for, I mean, for a man who likes numbers, that's binary for me. One zero, one zero, one zero. You know, I, I can get very giddy at the thought of that. That's like porn for you, for your, your, your sort of uh, line of work, isn't it? That's superb. Yeah, yeah. So, um, someone else, I, I got told to say this before we came on. And, um, there's also another stat where it's um, Blackpool 3, Brighton 1. That's number of peers. Well, we <laughs> one and a half, have... then, I guess. You've got, haven't we, you? We've got a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what's happened to Brighton's other peer? But burnt down, was it? Yeah, mysteriously burnt down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, was a, there was a campaign to restore it. 
and, and then somebody was seen in a rowing boat uh, going to the end of the pier because the, part of the pier had been sheared off and then there was these plans to to restore it um, and uh, yes yeah, somebody was seen going in a row, rowing boat and the next minute the the pier went up in smoke uh, and flames and everybody in Brighton knows who who sanctioned that particular deal was, was there but, an insurance policy on it perhaps I, it wasn't um <laughs> All I would say that uh, a, a family of people who you don't want to upset were involved, and uh, they it was in their it was in their business interests that the, that the pier wasn't restored. It sounds similar to Fleetwood Pier, doesn't it? That's uh, you know Fleetwood used to have a pier, and that went oh, up no. in that went up in smoke, didn't it, Tim? Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah. There's plenty of black hotels seem to go up in smoke as well. It's uh, going to say, yeah, very combustible on that and then that sea front of Blackpool. <laughs> Must be the sea air. Must be the sea air. It caught, makes makes them very flammable. It used to be good Fleetwood Pier. I used to like going on the arcade there as a kid. But right. so just to, um, just before we uh, we close off, Kieran, um, what's more important to Brighton: Premier League survival or an FA Cup final? From your perspective and the clubs. Okay, from my perspective, FA Cup final. Because uh, how much will you cherish finishing 15th in the Premier League? Um, I've been lucky to see us get to an FA Cup final in 1983, and I can still remember every single event of that day so so to get there again uh, would be my preference from the club's point of view without a doubt uh, survival in the Premier League it's never been it's never been a worse time to be relegated because of the dependency on the on the TV deal so to drop out would be a financial disaster for the club You've you've taken a question out of my mouth there we were just going to quickly touch on the 1983 cup final against Man United Um, that final A we there um, it was it was the first ever kind of FA Cup final I can remember as a a football fan and my abiding memory of it is was it was he called Gordon Smith? Gordon Smith. Gordon yeah. Smith. Gordon Smith must score. Yeah. Gordon Smith must score. Were you there? And what was it like? If you were. Um, yeah, I, I was there. I was I was at Manchester University at the time doing my finals. Um, so I'd, I'd come down to Brighton for a few days beforehand to revise at home, um, and uh, we we drew two all, and then in the last minute of extra time. Uh, our centre forward, Michael Robinson, who was notorious for being very, very greedy, he uh, he burst through the the Manchester United defence, drew drew the keeper, uh, and we thought he's, he's going to score. And then he passed the ball to a very surprised fellow striker, Gordon Smith, who kicked the ball and it got stuck in Gary Bailey's between Gary Bailey's legs. So. Um, that was uh, that was a two-two draw. It's still, still a very memorable match, and I, I had exams that following week. But I stayed down in Brighton. Um, the, the, those days you used to get a replay, so the replay was on the Thursday night. Um, another four-goal thriller in the replay, uh, of which Manchester United got four. Um, and then I had to get an overnight train you know because they didn't have the, the the fast trains in those days an overnight football special back to manchester uh, wearing my brighton kit and you know those those days united were quite tasty so i had to lock myself in the toilet uh, all the way back to manchester to get in at piccadilly i remember getting in about five o'clock uh, getting a bus 
back to my house, picking up my calculator and pencil and dashing to university to finishing off my, my university exams. Uh, and that, that cost me my degree qualification because I, you know, I, I hadn't slept, I hadn't revised, and, and I, got, I got what I deserved. <laughs> Oh, and just um, going back to 83, it, sort of, it always resonates with me. It's, it's around that time. I think it's like an end of an era because um, I don't know whether the other guys remember, but when we, when you and I were growing up, Kieran, FA Cup final day was like one of, was like sacrosanct, wasn't it? And it started with it's a, a FA Cup, it's a knockout. Yep. And FA Cup um, songs. You had, had they, they followed all the teams to Wembley, uh, the coaches and interviews and everything. I mean, it was one of the about, I think there's there only three games shown live. There was the FA Cup final, the European Cup final, and the England, England Scotland. Right? Yeah. And they, were, they were the only ones that were ever shown live all season. Yeah. And um, it was around that time, I think just after you, your game, that, that we started getting more live football and, and the FA Cup seemed just to fade off a little bit. Um, most certainly by the end of the 80s it had, but... I, I mean, I remember Steve. You know, you can remember all the games. You, I remember your manager was Jim Emilia, wasn't it at the time? Was it Jim Emilia? Yeah. I remember yep. Steve Foster playing centre back. Um, I remember. You know, I remember all these things because yep. FA Cup finals then meant everything. Yep. I, I, I'm, I, I'm I the all, all the winners from the seventies until say the mid to late eighties of the FA Cup. I couldn't tell you who's won it in the last five years. Couldn't tell you last yeah. year. Yes, we're, we're all the same. I probably couldn't tell yeah. you. The last fifteen, I'm the same as as John. I think the eight eighty two was probably what the earliest one I can remember. And like Tim said, it it started at half past nine in the morning, and you were just glued to the telly right the way through the day. It was on well, there was only three channels then, wasn't it? But it was on BBC and ITV, and it was just a massive, massive thing because there was there was so little football on. Um, yeah, that was my earliest memory of that one. Mm. Steve Foster's headband. <laughs> Speaking of players, uh, Kieran, we always like to do this just before we go. It's a bit of fun. Oh. They they played for both, so we oh. like to um, everyone who's watching this stream. If you can get your get your thinking caps on and drop a few names in, they both um, played for Blackpool and Bolton. So Peter Sudderby is a, a blast from the past. Yeah, he he married one of the Nolan sisters, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. We signed him for one hundred and thirty grand. Did we sign him from Blackpool? I can't remember. I think you think you did actually. I think I'm sure. Yeah. It was Blackpool before he went to you. It, it, it's a little bit. I, I always have an expression. That, um, it's those of a certain vintage you will remember. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a cracking player for us as well. Yeah, yeah he, so, he remembered a lot of affection, Peter Sotheby. Right, this, a little bit before my time, actually, to be honest. So we've got a few more. Um, this is one for me that was quite poignant, uh, Kieran. He he didn't play for you for very long, but he was a he was a fabulous player for us, Stephen Dobby. Now the reason the reason why it really sticks with me was because I think this was in the the second year of our parachute payments and we weren't signing players and Dobby was a massive success for us and he was available I think it was only like 1.3 million we were we were a division was this not in our Premier League year no 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 we'd we'd gone down we were in the championship right okay Um, because we're in the receipt the parachute payments and I thought we can definitely afford him with the I don't know what is it 17 million you were getting in the first couple of years and I thought we'll definitely get him in the window I was watching um, Sky Sports and it appeared Dobby gone to Brighton I remember throwing something at the telly and I thought they are taking all the money now I thought if they're not Dobby Dobby has been such an influential player for us and he'd gone to Brighton I mean no disrespect at the time but we were in a better kind of a better oh, yeah. state financially and it was a real moment for me like 
they are not they are not giving us one penny of this money. It's none of it's going into the club. We could have easily afforded him. And he went to Brighton. He didn't do a lot for you, did he? It, it didn't didn't work out for him. It was it was really strange. He was sort of a, a classic Scottish number ten in that technically he was very good, wasn't fast, but he could he. But it, it, it for, I don't know whatever. He, but he he did did he come back and play for you again? Yep. Of- he scored at the Goldstone. No, sorry, so he scored at with Dean. He scored an absolute cracker a few years later. A match, I think it was a match on a Tuesday night, and, and then he went up to Scotland, didn't he? And he was knocking in hat tricks oh, yeah. for, for fun. Was it some, yeah, so, some, some strange? Dobby was one of those players. He was like DJ Campbell when DJ Campbell came to us, who, who didn't seem to fit in at many clubs. But when he came to us, it was like a bunch of misfits who, under Holloway, all seemed to play the best under him. Um, you know, it's a bit ragtag, ragtag army. And sometimes, you know, particularly bear in mind where we're at in the league. But you know, the, the, all of them seem to play the best football they ever played in their one or two seasons or three seasons, whatever it might have been at Blackpool. And most certainly, I think in Dobby's case, um, that that was the position. Andrea Orlandi, do you remember him? Oh yeah, yeah I sponsored his kit. Did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he was. Uh, he, he, he was a really technical player. Fantastic technical player. We signed him from Swansea, I think. Didn't we? Did he have a brother? Or was that somebody else? I, was I thought there was two of them. This is part of our boycott years, so we're not, we're not very good on it, are we? Uh, Chris Basham? Did he play for Brighton? No. No. Not to my knowledge. No. Um, Lee, so. Lee Hendry? The Lee Hendry? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'd lead Lee Hendry towards the end of his career. Um, I, I think I, I think he's had some personal issues to deal with, and, and he's he didn't really look focused. Um, didn't so for us, did he either? Did he go? Did he go bankruptly, Henry? Yeah, I, yeah. I he had done. Yeah, Queen yeah, I mean, forty percent of professional footballers go bankrupt. It's astonishing, isn't it? When you yeah, think how much money they must <laughs> accumulate, um, clearly not save. Um, well, but... they, 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 they're not good at saving. They, the trouble is, if you get a lot of money at a young stage, you get used to a lifestyle and you, you spend the lifestyle. And then when the money stops, I, I, was, uh, I, I was in discussions with a, a former Premier League player uh, very recently who uh, is, is bankrupt. Um, and he sort of he relies he he relies on cash cash work. I'll be honest with you. Um, and he's got the bailiffs at the door, but he's also got three divorces because, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, bankruptcy featuring in in players when they retire, uh, divorces are very common as well. Because going from that lifestyle where where everything is done for you, especially at the Premier League level, to not knowing what to do uh, in terms of, you know, if you're going abroad in need of vaccination, well, what do I do? You know, the, the clubs, the clubs arranged everything. The clubs arranged visas when I go overseas. Um, if I've got a toothache, the club will arrange a dentist. All of a sudden, for going from that and and that amazing environment, which is a dressing room, yeah, you know, because it is, it is, it is a real testosterone lads. To all of a sudden, you know, we all do nine to fives and. It's yeah. You know, we we know what we have to go through for a football player to come out of that dressing room environment to to civilian life is a huge change. They 
they they really miss that that dressing room environment and some of them don't cope with it very well in terms of their personal life so so bankruptcy depression and divorce unfortunately are, are very common features of of uh, ex-players lives which, which doesn't get uh, any attention because the focus is very much on on the elite players in the premier league mm, so, was, was that a recent premier league player as well sort of over or like from when they didn't earn as much money well, um, you know, say fifteen years ago, there was still still a lot of money, right. not not the same levels of today, but uh, you know, they'll, they'll be earning you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands a year, as opposed to the, the average salary in the in the Premier League at present, based on my spreadsheet, is around about two point seven million. Um, you know, these guys would have only been on say six or seven hundred thousand only. But but it, it goes, it, you know, if, if you're not careful. Yeah, after three divorces. <laughs> three divorces, yeah. I think there's a moral there, isn't there? Mm. <laughs> yeah, don't get married. Right, Kieran, um, I think I think we've, uh, we've exhausted the uh, questions now. So um, I just want to close off by saying thanks ever so much for coming on and uh, giving us all your insight and your stories. It's been a really enjoyable evening, and thanks a lot. Well, th- thanks for the invite. Uh, you know, in these in this pretty depressing time of life at present it's been it's been an absolute pleasure to, to meet some new people and, and and see smiling faces so uh you know good, good good luck to all of you stay safe for heaven's sake um and uh i wish all the best for blackpool because we've been through it and i, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone you've been through it and, and i want you to see that the the up the upsides are now coming um even if you don't get go through the divisions as fast as you'd like, you've still got your club back, and that's the most important thing. It certainly is. Yeah. Right. Um, thanks everybody for watching um, uh, on the stream. We're just going to uh, just, head, just before we head off. If you look down on the the ticker, you'll see we've got a match day live stream happening on Saturday at half past two. We're going to be hearing some alternative commentary from Tim and uh, Sam, so that's something to look forward to. If you have liked this. If you enjoyed this uh, video please do press like please subscribe to the show and um yeah we'll see you we'll see you all on Walshy Walshy I owe what? you a kiss yes that's right um we were we were 499 subscribers in, so we put it onto Twitter the 500th subscriber gets a kiss off Tim so there you go there you go Walshy <laughs> <laughs> right anyway, thanks for watching everybody thanks for listening on the audio pod thanks to Kieran he's been a legend and all rains be said is thanks for downloading thanks for listening and up the pool up the pool up the pool hi all just a few quick messages before you head off I'd just like to ask if you haven't already to please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes it helps the show grow gain more exposure so if you go to Podcast co.uk forward slash review that'll redirect you to the itunes review site so if you could do that that'd be greatly appreciated just to make you aware you can listen to this show on all major podcast platforms including spotify pocket casts and google podcasts and if you're not listening to this on a podcast app i highly 
encourage you to do so because it is the best way to listen because you get them sent automatically if you're on social media we are on there so please do give us a follow if you're not doing so already we're on facebook twitter and youtube Seaside as pod is my handle so i'm sure if you search for that or just Seaside as podcast you'll find us on there so if social media is not your thing we do have an email list so if you want to sign up to that you'll get an email whenever we do release a new show so go to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash email and sign up there and finally if you do enjoy what we're doing here and you want to chip in a few quid every month to help pay for our production costs and gear upgrades please consider joining our patreon supporter program where you'll get lots of exclusive content and services in return. So head on over to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash support to find out more. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.